0: Man stepped to me, said, How can you smile when your world is crumbling down? I said, In my secret, mm, when I wanna cry, mm, I take a look around and I see that I'm getting
1: by.
2: morning my brothers and sisters you are tuned in to the worship service of the greater little zion baptist church i'm pastor murphy and we welcome you to this wonderful worship experience sit back now and enjoy our music ministry as they will come and share with you from the spoken word by way of song and i'll come back and share with you in the preaching of god's word be blessed as the word of god blesses your spirit
1: i'm gonna take a trip On that good old gospel ship And we'll go sailing through the air Air. I'm gonna take Take a a trip trip On that good old gospel ship. ship And we'll go sailing Comes in, I'm gonna leave this old world of sin and we'll go sailing through the air. And when my ship comes in, I'm gonna leave this old world of sin and we'll go sailing. em trouble in the furnace yeah. Believe in my soul today. It's gonna be be. all right. right. It's It's gonna be.
0: still keeping us. never left me, he stood by my side. There were so many times when I came so close. and old man dead, he tried to take me in. But the reason I'm here, it's not hard for me to see. In fact, it's so easy for me to explain, it was God's grace was God's grace, God's grace. It was God's grace. God's grace, His amazing grace, grace. I, made it this far. I made it this far, yes I did, by the grace of God. I remember the time when I strayed away, Obey But God's mercy and his grace it stayed with me and it brought me it brought me brought
1: me brought me oh.
0: One more time. It, was God's grace. it was God's grace It was God's grace It was God's grace His amazing grace. I wouldn't make it. Some people said they said I wouldn't be here today. I thank God I made it. I made it yes, I did. God. You see, I believe it. One more time, y'all. Let's go home. It It was God's grace. It was God's grace. It was God's grace. His amazing grace.
2: my brothers and sisters get your bibles and join me now if you will as we open up in god's word to first john chapter 2 and we're going to begin reading at verse 28 and we're going to conclude in chapter 3 verse 3 first john chapter 2 verse 28 and we'll read down to the third chapter and conclude at verse 3 Listen to the reading of God's word. I'm reading this morning from the New International Version. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that it is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God and what we will be has not yet been known. But we know that when he appears we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. Let me further read this passage in one of my favorite translations, which is the Message Bible, the Eugene Peterson's Message Bible. It gives us a more contemporary flair, and I think you may catch the logist even better than what we hear in the New International Version. Listen to it. In the Eugene Peterson's Bible, again, first John chapter two, beginning at verse twenty-eight. And now, children, stay with Christ, live deeply in Christ. Then we'll be ready for him when he appears, ready to receive him with open arms, with no cause for red face guilt or lame excuses when he arrives. Once you're convinced that he is right and righteous, you'll recognize that all who practice righteousness are God's true children. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us, just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to. But friends, that's exactly who we are, children of God. And that's only the beginning. Who knows how we'll end up? What we know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we'll see him. And in seeing him, become like him. All of us who look forward to his coming, stay ready with glistening purity of Jesus' life as a model for our own. Amen. I want to preach this morning from a question, and it's a very pointed question and a very revealing question. He's coming back again. Are you ready? He's coming back again. Are you ready? Although the world's glory may be enticing, it may be enthusiastic, and it may be entertaining, it certainly is not enduring. The great kingdoms of the world that we know historically, Babylon, Egypt, Assyria, Persian, the Roman Empire, all of them have fallen. All of them have ceased to be. Their glory was obviously shallow temporal and fleeting as well we do know for certain that what the world gives you today it certainly very well may take back tomorrow and the question I want to raise in the initial moments of this sermon is are you invested solely in your temporal life or your eternal life in fact it does raise that more pointed critical question, do you know where you will spend eternity? To make my point clear and to help us clarify what John was trying to convey in the closing words of that second chapter and the opening words of that third chapter to bring clarity to understanding why he made mention of the Antichrist in that second chapter, to warn against the lies and the heresy to which the Antichrist portrays. I mentioned in the earlier sermon last week that although we have not seen the physical person of the Antichrist, the spirit of such deception and evil and lies is all around us. But to help us clarify what do we mean by raising the question do you know where you will spend eternity? I want to draw your attention to a story in the Gospel of Luke chapter 16 and verses 19 through 31. Now I'm breaking a homiletical rule and that is that I'm working outside of the text to which I gave you of which we're going to preach from but I've got an objective and my objective is I want to illustrate for you something that John is inferring And I want us to be able to see it come to full fruition as we look at a text that is portrayed by Luke's gospel to bring clarity to what we're trying to say. More importantly, what John was trying to say. And that story tells us about a poor man named Lazarus and a rich man who is left unnamed. If you read verses 19 through 31 of Luke 16, you'll get the idea that the poor man dies and in his death, he is ushered, says the Bible, by angels into Abraham's bosom, a figurative speech for paradise or the presence of God. Arguably, we would say that's heaven and it's heaven. Because Jesus uses the same language when he promised the dying thief on the cross with him as is there on Calvary. He assured that criminal, today you shall be with me in paradise. Luke 24 verse 43. Know for certain that the man's eternal destiny was secured all because... He requested of Jesus earlier, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me. Remember, there was a jailer also who raised the question about his own destination when he asked the Apostle Paul, who was likewise in a Philippian jail, he says to him, What must I do to be saved? Acts 16. And I'm pushing that point because today I want you to understand that you can anchor and you can secure your destination for a heavenly address by simply asking the Lord, what must I do to be saved? Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 assures that salvation is yours because of your confession in the work of and the finished work of jesus christ but the bible says that the rich man who was left unnamed also died luke 16 22. but he woke up in a place called hades the unseen world in general meaning that no one has ever gone there and came back and reported to us what they found now Keep in mind that when Lazarus dies, he is ushered into the presence of God by way of Abraham's bosom, paradise. But when the rich man dies, he dies and he goes to a place called Hades. And this Hades is described in the New Testament as a place for the unsaved place between death and judgment where those who are there will appear at the great white throne judgment according to God's word in Revelation chapter 20 and beginning in verse 11. Listen to what the word of God says in Revelation chapter 20 beginning in verse 11. Word of the Lord. Then I saw a great white throne And him who was seated on it, earth and the sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were open. Get this now. The dead wanted to escape the presence of being before God at the great white throne judgment space for the unsaved. And they wanted to run, but there's nowhere to run. They could not flee they were there whether they were alive by way of the tribulation or whether they were dead by way of previous death they were there and the book was opened the book of life that recorded every deed and everything to which they had sinned the bible says the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books And in case, as I said before, you thought you could get away, the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades, translation, hell, gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Luke tells us several things in that story, in Luke 16, that I want you to get a gist of. And it helps underscore why I'm raising the question. He's coming back, but are you ready? Luke tells us in that story three things. Number one, that hell is a real place. It's a place of punishment in contrast to the place of reward, Heaven it's thought of as an underground prison with locked gates and only Jesus has the key to the gate Matthew 16 18 it's only temporal initially because as I just read for you in Revelation 20 even those who are in hell when God makes the call for them to stand judgment they will be released from hell from that burning space a fire and brimstone, they will stand before God. Are you ready for his coming back again? Do you want to go to hell? You really don't. Hell says Luke is a real place. But the second thing Luke says, hell is not only a real place, but hell also has real people. In the text, Luke says that the rich man is conscience of his eternal existence after death. Listen to what he says in verse 23, clause A of Luke 16. In hell, he lifted up his eyes, conscience of where he was. And what I'm trying to tell you is if you believe The lie of those who are telling you that hell is not a real place in fact there's a suggestion by some that what you see now is all the hell that you're going to get I beg to differ ladies and gentlemen I beg to differ my brothers and sisters there is a place according to scripture where there is eternal burning and it is a place with real people and you won't be able to escape it in fact it in terms of your identification and in terms of your consciousness won't die at death luke says when this rich man died he opened up his eyes and in hell is where he found himself i don't want that for you we can resolve that today merely by understanding and having you to embrace romans 10 9 and 10 haven't you embraced John three sixteen? that God so loved you that he gave his only begotten? That in believing in him, you would not perish, but have everlasting life. Wrestle with it. Are you saved? Hell is a real place. Hell has real people. But then Luke tells us also that hell has real pain. Look at Luke chapter 16, verse 23. It says, the rich man lifted his eyes, but look at the next line, being in torment. He was in constant, overwhelming pain. We Go back to Revelation chapter 20, and it tells us there that at that great white throne judgment that there is a consistency in this burning, in this overwhelming pain. In fact, Jesus described it as the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, the agony of being separated from being in eternity with God. And Luke makes it clear that when this rich man recognized by way of his consciousness that he was in a place called hell, it says he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and look what happens. He saw in Abraham's bosom, far away, Lazarus. Same man that he himself tormented, used to assist in his own way, he now sees at comfort, in the lord jesus christ i asked you again are you ready for hell you don't want to go there but that's what the bible says you will spend eternity that's where it says you will spend eternity if you fail to accept jesus christ as your lord and savior once again john 3 16 hell is a place where the antichrist where satan the devil will spend eternity as well listen to revelation chapter 20 and verse 10 and the devil who deceived them those who refuse to trust christ the devil who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, burning fire, where the beast and the false beast has been thrown. They will be tormented, listen to this, day and night forever. Do you want to go to hell? Is that where you want to spend eternity? Now, you might raise a question, Pastor, what in the world does that have to do with 1 John chapter 2 verses 28 through chapter 3 verse 1 through 3 I'm glad you asked that question I'm glad you asked it because I'm going to show you how John sought to warn his community not to believe the lies of the antichrist that Jesus is non-existent that Jesus is not the son of God that Jesus can't save you in fact john says that the salvation that jesus provides is promised and secured remember what he says in first john chapter 2 verse 25 listen to what john said and this is what he promised us even eternal life john makes clear That because you're saved by God's grace and washing the blood, there's absolutely no fear, no fear at all in the second coming of Jesus Christ. He makes clear in verse 28 of chapter 2, 1 John, that believers don't fear death because it's a transition to life. They don't fear the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, says John, they embrace it with confidence. Listen to what he says. My dear children, continue in him his admonishment. He needed to inform and encourage just as I'm trying to attempt to do you today in the midst of this COVID context. Don't you lose hope in the Christ who has brought you safely thus far keeping you in the midst of this troubling time who's kept a roof over your head and food in your stomach and provision on your table don't you let go of God's unchanging hand the lie of Satan is that this is the end of the rope this is the end of life and hey it very well may be but believers don't care if it's the end of the journey because they have an expectation in fact, they embrace the second coming of Christ, says John, with great confidence. That's the same word that is used in Hebrews 4.12, where the Bible admonishes us that when we come to God, we must believe that he is a rewarder. We must have the confidence that he will reward those who diligently seek him. We got confidence that the coming of our Lord, we're excited And John is using the word as a child is talking to his or her father. There's excitement, there's joy, there's anticipation. They are excited that the father is coming to not only converse and commune, but to take them wherever he is going. That's what Jesus told us. And I think that's what John is reflecting on. John 14, 1, I go to prepare a place for you. Don't let your heart be troubled. And if I go and to prepare a place for you, I'm coming back again to receive you unto myself. But you can't have that confidence and that expectation if you haven't been born again. Listen to what John said. Believers in verse 28 are confident and they are not ashamed or as one translation say, they don't shrink back before his coming. And they shrink back, meaning they become ashamed because they are not prepared for the coming of Jesus Christ. And I wonder if John is reflecting on that moment in which he remembered Jesus telling the parable, the story, in his gospel narrative, particularly recorded by Matthew Matthew 25, about five foolish virgins. And five wise virgins. They had the responsibility of preparing themselves to meet the bridegroom. Two groups Group A, five prepared. And those who were prepared, they had oil in their lamps. They were waiting with great confidence for the return of the bridegroom whenever he came they were ready because they had made themselves prepared for his return then there's a second group they were the five unprepared they were foolish and when the bridegroom came back they shrank away in shame because they were unprepared their lamps were empty they tried to seek help from those who were prepared and they were refused and when they left to go to get some oil for their lamps, when they came back, the bridegroom had already come and had already rescued, taken back those who were prepared. And Jesus provided this warning, and I think John heard it and he remembered it. In Matthew 25 13, here's Jesus' warning. Be on alert, be prepared, for you don't know the day nor the hour that he's coming back again. Are you ready? Because he's coming back again. Are you prepared? I'm asking because according to what John says in this text, he's coming back again. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Let me share with you three reasons, three reasons why believers are expecting with great confidence the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are looking forward to his return because number one, we know the blessing of being saved we know the blessing of being saved once again look what he says in verse 28 and now dear children continue in him so that when he appears we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming verse 29 if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Now let me read that same verse, verse 28 and 29 in the Eugene Peterson's translation. And now children, stay with Christ. and that's what I'm trying to tell you this morning, if you've been born again, stay with Christ, don't give up don't let go of his hand don't go in another direction don't try something or someone else hang out with Christ his grace has been kind to you so far his mercy has kept you so far his power has encouraged you so far his protection has maintained you so far stick with Christ And John says stick with him live deeply in Christ In other words, because we're in COVID-19, dig deeper in who the person of the Lord Jesus Christ is. Expand your spiritual understanding. Take out your shovel and your hard hat. Put your work gloves on and dig deeper in the word of God. Seek his face right now while he may be found. While it is yet day, remember Jesus says, for when night comes, no man can work. Says Eugene Peterson, dig deeper in Christ, live deeper in Christ, then we'll be ready for him when he appears, ready to receive him with open arms, not ashamed, but grateful for the coming of the Lord with no cause for red face guilt or lame excuses when he arrives. Not like the five foolish virgins who were trying to find out can they get oil from someplace else? No, they weren't ready, but the five wise were. And when the bridegroom came, they were ready to take flight into eternity. Listen to what Eugene Peters also said in verse 29. Once you're convinced that he is right and righteous, you'll recognize that all who practice righteousness are God's true children. Persevering, pushing ahead in the midst of trauma and disappointment and heartache and frustration and agony. In the words of Paul in Philippians 3, I press because I know there's a higher calling and there's a mark ahead of me. And so those who are believers We know the blessing of being saved. And one thing about being saved is I anticipate the coming of the Lord. I know that I'm saved. I know that I know him. I know that I've been redeemed. I'm not ashamed of his return. I am anticipating. I am alert. In fact, his return is an answer to prayer. And John uses hope, he uses the hope of Christ as a fresh impetus for those believers to remain faithful in the fight that they're in. There's a second reason why believers anticipate and receive the second coming of Christ with great joy. Not only because we know the blessing of being saved, but we also know the benefit of being saved look at verse 1 of chapter 3 how great is the love that the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God And that's exactly what we are says John we are children of God and the world Not only does not recognize us, but they can't recognize us because they couldn't recognize him because they did not know him. And there's a benefit of being saved, and the benefit is we are the recipient of what John describes as the agape love of God. That's a love that only a father can give to their children, their child. It's an unrestricted, it's an unconditional, it's a love that only a father can give to their child. And here's what happened, here's our benefit. John says, when God lavished, poured out his love on us, we became the tichna, that's the Greek word, the tichna, which means the children of God, as if God had birthed us again. Back into creation anew. We now have changed ownership. We are no longer children of Satan. We, we are now children of God. And by way of benefit, we know we are beneficiaries of what's called grace and unmerited favor. And we are living, and you are living, walking testimonies of what the grace of God has done and continues to do to those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are recipients. Part of our beneficiary package is not only grace, but mercy. Mercy that when we fall short of God's glory, he looks beyond that fault and he provides what we need to be restored. He sees Jesus in us. What can wash away my sins? What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's mercy. We are beneficiaries of grace, of mercy, of hope. Hope. And we get this hope by digging deeper in scripture and living Deeply in Christ. I want to read a word for you. Here's a verse that I think will change your life. If you get it, it will help you understand why we have the Bible. Listen to Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Listen to this word for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us everything in this book has the intentionality by God's purpose to teach us says the text so that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope And I'm admonishing you in this COVID-19 context. Don't you stop reading your Bible. In fact, you need to read it more. You need to attend Bible study more. You need to pray more. You need to witness more. You need to trust more. You need to believe more. Plug into hope more. Because it's what's going to get you through. It's what's going to help you survive. It's what's going to help you endure and persevere and give you encouragement at the same time. We are the saved beneficiaries of that kind of experience because of who we know in the person of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Eugene Peterson says about verse 1 of chapter 3. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at, just look at it. We're called, as I said, Greek word, tikna, children of God. That's who we really are. And that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously because they didn't know him. People trying to figure out how do you stay calm? How do you have Hope, how do you have a smile? How do you continue to talk positive? How do you continue to believe? How do you continue to persevere? Not be affected by what's happening in the midst of COVID-19. It's because you know him. And you're saved. And you have benefits that come from being saved. You got grace. You got mercy. You got hope. And you have peace. These are but a few. All of that assures us of being overcomers. Then I got this last thing I want to tell you. Christians are not ashamed of the coming of Christ because we know the blessing of being saved. We know the benefit of being saved, but we also know the beauty of being saved. Listen to what John says in verse 2 and 3 dear friends now we are the children of god and what we will be has not yet been known i like the king james version the king james version says beloved now we are the sons of god and it does not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he appears we shall be like him that's the beauty Listen, listen to what Eugene Peterson says in his translation. Dear friends, that's exactly why we are children of God and that's only the beginning. Good God Almighty. Who knows how we'll end up? And here's what, what I think John is saying. The beauty of being saved, we don't have any idea what we're going to be like as God continues to move us into the future. The expectation is something great is going to come out of this turbulent time. And yet, if the Lord comes in the midst of it, it doesn't appear what we shall be. But if he comes, we shall see him and we shall be like him. says Eugene Peterson, when he is revealed to us, we'll be just like him. Here's what that that text means. When I be like him, that means that I may have scars, but, but they'll no longer be relevant. My pain will no longer be active. My frustration will no longer live. Instead, I'll be like Christ. My mortality will put on immortality. And verse 3, he says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as Christ is pure. In other words, he he works at making him or herself holy because they recognize that I kind of keep striving for Jesus because Jesus is the example. His life in the midst of the turmoil to which he experienced is my example of how to persevere. Listen to how Eugene Peterson closes verse 2 and 3. In seeing him, we become like him. All of us who look forward to his coming, he says once again with a warning, stay ready with that glistening purity of Jesus whose life was a model for our own. My brothers and sisters, as I close and leave you, I raise that question again, not only to inform you, to let you know he's coming back again. But are you ready? Are you ready for the appearing? It's what Paul called the parousia, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you ready? As I quoted before, Romans 10 9 and 10, you, you don't have to leave this moment not knowing where you will spend eternity because this one thing I don't want you to do is die like the rich man who died and opened his eyes and in hell he was conscious of where he was and yet he saw the righteous in the presence of God in Abraham's bosom that doesn't have to be your outcome today Is the day of salvation, says Isaiah. Don't harden your heart. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon his name while he is near. Listen. All you have to do is cry out to God. Lord, I know I can't save myself. It's obvious. Bible says the salvation is in Christ only john 14 6 i am the way says jesus the truth and the life no one can come to the father except through me make that decision today and i guarantee you when the question is raised are you ready you can answer in the affirmative i am indeed i await his coming with great confidence let us pray Lord, as you informed the prophet Ezekiel, my job this morning was to merely sound the alarm. I don't know the day nor the hour you shall appear, but I do know you're coming back again. And so, Father, I merely wanted to warn people, get yourself ready today. John just wanted to let us know, encourage us as he did his fellow believers, stay true to Christ don't give up in the midst of a trial. Stay focused. Stay faithful. And deliverance is on our way. Save that person, Lord, that will call on your name today. Give them great joy. Let them know the urgency in which this question raises. We'll give you the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, my brothers and sisters, here's a quick request. If you are not saved, We can resolve that right now. If you merely repeat after me, Lord, I want to be saved today. I trust your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. His sacrificial death on the cross, I embrace that saved my soul. I want to be saved by your grace and washed in your blood. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you've raised Jesus from the dead. Thou shall be saved, says the Bible. My prayer, my brothers and sisters, that's your prayer today, that somebody has made that decision. And I assure you from this day forward, your life will never be the same. If you've made that decision, please do me a favor. Call our church office. Let us know, say on Sunday, I made a decision for Christ and I just want the church to know we would love to invite you to become a part of this Christian fellowship here at Greater Little Zion. We want to become a part of your family as well. We would love to nurture you and have you nurture us as we grow together in kingdom business. We're rejoicing because somebody, even if you don't become a part of this church, somebody across this country, maybe in the world today, has made a decision for Christ. We give our thanks and gratitude to all of our members and friends, particularly those who support Greater Lausanne Baptist Church. Thank you so kindly for your tithes and offerings, for continuously making it available for us to be able to do ministry, particularly in this broadcast. Thank you for making those things possible. We want to remind you again to, at this time, get out your electronic device. Make sure that if you're going to text your tithes and offering. You do your text giving. If you're going to go to our church website and do your e-giving, please do so. Whether you mail in your tithes and offering, we receive all that you have to give with great thanksgiving. We also want to remind you that in the month of September, as we'll eventually set a date, we're going to begin food distribution, trying to give some assistance to those who may be struggling from this COVID-19 disaster. They may be still employed, but yet find it difficult to make ends meet, or there may be some who find themselves unemployed We're going to make it available that we can at least Give out some sustenance that someone Can survive and continue With the idea of hope That things will turn around eventually They put their hands in God's hands Ladies and gentlemen thank you so kindly For being a part of the worship experience today I just want you to know that God Loves you and so do I And from this day forward Have a blessed wonderful time in the Lord In Jesus name Amen